Welcome to True Story, buddy. My name is Mike Doty. So nice to hear you say that. I'm Dave Holmes. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty all right. I'm in the Angeles for a few days. Mm -hmm. Enjoy the Angeles. I love it. I love having you here. Yeah, it's great. It's It's great. It's a good feeling. To to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling you're going inside. Do Do you feel like you could move, move, move any mountain? More or less. Yeah. More, I mean, there's a, there are probably a small subset of mountains I mm-hmm. feel I could not move. Yeah. However, yeah. the vast majority of mountains. Mm-hmm. I, before I came over here, I was stay, I'm staying with my friend Wayne. His kid, four years old, said, Mike, where are you going? And it said, I am going to talk to someone about a TV show that was on 23 years before you were born. Yep. That's yep. just about the most baffling thing you can say to a toddler. Uh, that's Yeah, that's true. But to a, a person in their early 20s, it makes perfect sense. Oh, yes, yeah. indeed. This is this yeah. is just what we do now. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> oh, God. We're here to talk about episodes. I mean, this is not what we do with our lives permanently now. I'm just saying this is what we do as a culture. Yes, indeed. Yeah. We, we, we repackage. Get people like us to yeah. provide content. If not talking us, Talking about, yes. Yeah. So we're here to talk about episode nine of season one. We are indeed. Of, uh, of The Real World, uh, a very intense episode, a lot of raw emotions, yep. uh, a lot of actual social issues dealt with yes. in, a, in a serious and sober way. Um, before we get into that, I just want to point out something that I only noticed oh my God. watching this episode, Yes, and it's this. In 1992, all denim was the same color. <laughs> Did you notice that? I well, it's kind of pale. It's a, that pale yeah. indigo. Yeah, yeah. It's a very Andrew Shoe look. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's uh, it's and it's it's the jeans. Oh, it's the jackets. It's the chambray shirts. Yeah, which I know is a different thing than denim. Little... But it, it's all exactly the same shade of blue. Yeah, I think I have, I have a vestigial memory of looking for dark blue jeans. Well, uh-huh. black jeans were no, were black jeans still thing. 92? Yeah. 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 I was I was the guy wearing all black. I was oh, that guy. Oh, that's nice. I was old East Village Jones. Oh, that's a fun look. 22 years old. Sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, though, super duper pale. Yeah. And very high in the waist. Yep. So yep. anyway, so there's that. I just had to get that out of my system. The other thing is, um, so a huge part of this episode is spent at a, Jer- uh, not a Jerry Brown rally, at a pro-choice rally. Right. In D.C. They well, drive. it starts at a Jerry Brown rally. Yes, right. it does. Yeah. Jerry Brown, children, know this about Jerry Brown. Yes. His big technical innovation when he was running for the Democratic nomination was he had an 800 number. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Everyone knew the 800 number, and you could call up and give him money. Yeah. And that was a huge deal. Like, oh, my God. Uh-huh. Look at this Jerry Brown motherfucker from the future. Yeah. Yeah. Eight, toll free? Toll free? So what? wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I can pick up the phone, and I can donate yes. to a political candidate, and it won't cost me any additional toll money no and you don't you don't need cash you can do it with your credit card wow. over the telephone oh. i'm saying wow. you don't you don't even have to talk to anybody you just punch the numbers in mm-hmm. on your touchstone phone holy cow yep amazing it's yep. incredible he didn't win <laughs> uh, what i noticed about him just from the makeup of the crowd and the and the general level of enthusiasm of the crowd i got the sense that he was the bernie sanders of the time he was indeed the bernie sanders of his time uh, uh, not much of a chance of actually winning, but he but he inspired people. Yeah, it was also. I mean, I think it was a lower stakes 
time. I think income yeah. inequality wasn't bananas fucked up. Uh-huh. It was it was fucked up. It wasn't bananas fucked up like right. it is now. Right. And uh, the Clinton years were reasonably mellow years. Like mm-hmm. there was a recession. Our, the Gen X thing, you are a Gen Xer, as sure. I am, yeah. uh, was that... Uh, we are uh, stranded adrift in the wake of the baby boomers who've destroyed our world. Mm-hmm. And then we invented the web and we made a shit ton of money and we that's all had true. jobs that had job titles we could not explain to our parents. Yeah, that's fine. Yep. And now we have podcasts. Yep. <laughs> um, should we uh, should we should we just recap? Should we just recap the ep- the the. Yeah, basically. So we got uh, the Jerry Brown rally. Well, I want to begin with Darlene. Not quite. Even before that. Yes. We have Norman waiting by the phone for a Charles to call. At the very beginning, he's waiting for Charles to call. And again, we're in a time where if you wanted to hear from somebody, they would call your home phone. Yes. And maybe they would leave a message if there was an answering machine. But if they didn't, they would leave it with one of your roommates. You usually didn't have six roommates who were strangers. Yes. You just had one or two. But but especially if you were really sweating somebody and you were waiting to hear from them, this was a big deal. Big fucking deal. We also... Um, we should uh, we should explain to Charles. Let's go through the episode and then we'll explain okay. explain what a motherfucker Charles is. Yeah, we'll get there. But anyway, he uh, Norman's waiting for the call. He finally calls. Heather says Norman snatches the phone right away from her, and, and they talk and they make vague plans. But yeah, Norman's a little more into it than Charles is. It's clear. And Heather mm-hmm. keeps saying she's worried about Norman. Uh, Julie says she's worried about Norman. Everybody's worried about Norman. Sure. Getting too deep. Yeah. He's <laughs> one of the, the most did they really do that moments perhaps of the series is he he uh, Norman does a, a a little speech about how he was bullied for being gay uh-huh. and how he was called a faggot before he knew what gay was. Yep. And it was baffling to him. And then. After the speech, which is very moving and v- revolutionary for its time. Absolutely. They play, now that we found love, what, what are, are we, we going to do, do with it? it by what are we going to do with it? And, <laughs> and in fact, at the top of the episode, they make even a stranger choice. because, And this is why, thank God, we were able to get DVDs of the... And I don't want to boast yes. to, to our to our listeners, but we have the original... Well, not the original DVDs, but we have dubs of the original ones with the original music. Now, yeah. if you watch it on a Hulu... Oh, by the way. If you want to watch along, it's on demand yes. on most cable systems. Uh-huh. Uh, that could change. Things go onto and off of Hulu all the time. So by yep. the time you hear this, who knows? But we'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted on our Twitter, at True Still Ray. But getting back, uh, we have the original music cues. Yes. The ones that make it to streaming have sound-alikes. Yes. Right? And it makes a world of difference. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. So uh, so at the beginning, Norman talks about his uh, his his, like infatuation with Charles and, right. and how he knows it's not uh, you know super healthy because he might be more into, into it than Charles is. Indeed. The music choice, Red Hot Chili Peppers Under the Bridge. Oh, yeah, Charles right. Perez is Norman's heroine. <laughs> right Charles on. Perez, just just old heroine Perez uh-huh. walking walking through our lives. With his hoop earrings like Jody Watley. Oh, yes. Uh, and then, okay, and then another, another great and perfectly on the nose musical choice, uh, Andre and Julie go to walk Gouda. The dog. The dog. Norman's the enormous dog. Great Dane. Uh, they pass an area with a high density of homeless people. Phil Collins' Another Day in Paradise kicks right up. Right. Here, now, here's the thing. That's on the Upper West Side mm-hmm. where they were. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and they were, if you don't know the geography of New York, 
about 90 blocks from there. Right. So well, clear on the other side of town. Yes. So basically they lived 90 blocks from there. So basically we're being asked to believe that we just went out with goo to the dog and walked 90 blocks and happened upon a homeless straight encampment. Straight up the Hudson yes. River. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I wonder, is Norman's studio up there? Is there what else is going <laughs> no, on? I, you know what I think is up there is the van that they took them up in to do their special encounter with okay. homeless people episode. Okay, so I'm going to, listener, Mike Doty thinks this whole thing is set up. I think it's, look, Dave Holmes, mm-hmm. a signal moment in my life yep. was when you were on MTV mm-hmm. and I was obsessed with TRL. Yep. And uh, and like Sun Ra and Avant Garde Jazz and TRL. Right. TRL was like a big moment. You're a well-rounded man. Yes. Um, and so we were talking about some song that suddenly leapt to number three. Uh-huh. And I was like, I was like, so Dave, what do they do? They like they like get a lot of people to call, or there's a blah blah blah. And you said no. They say we're just going to put 98 degrees at number three. Uh-huh. And I was like. It's rigged. Well, TRL is rigged. Now, now I'm, I'm going to be blackballed from the industry. <laughs> I don't. Or at this tw- uh, twenty years later, I don't think anybody is really going to defend it as if like it's you know it's TRL kayfabe. Yeah, I mean it's it, it, things were things were massaged. <laughs> I was I, I, I you could not believe that I was surprised by that. Yeah. So I'm just. Being a shattered human being with no faith in institutions anymore, right. I'm just going to say they went up looking to have their special edition okay. homeless thing, and they put the Jerry Brown and they put the pro-choice. Mm-hmm. So they literally, they were probably like, let's just do the politics episode. Okay, yeah, let's get it done. Lump with. it all in together. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Mm. We haven't even said the name Darlene yet. Darlene. So we meet Darlene. Yes. Right at the rotunda. A homeless person. A homeless person in a uh, in a in a sort of a camp of mm-hmm. homeless people at the rotunda, which I don't know exactly where the rotunda is. It, it is, I believe, on the Upper West Side near okay. the river. Yeah, it looked like that. Uh, and uh, and yeah, she asked to, to pet the dog. Julie agrees. The two of them get to talking. They strike up a, an instant friendship. Yes. And uh, and oh God. Uh, Darlene talks about how she became homeless. She, you know, she fought with her mother. Yeah. She couldn't afford an apartment, like a, a you know, a one bedroom apartment at the time was $425, yep. which made me yep. throw my couch out the window and have a tantrum. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was there like two years later, three years later, two right. years later. Right. And it was, you know, you couldn't find anything for under 700. Right. But you're living, you're living in the Bronx for that, basically. I guess. Okay. But it was, and, and she said that, that the, that she's given like $300 mm-hmm. for rent and rent was like an average of $400. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so she fell into homelessness. She struggles with drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, she and Julie hit it off. And Julie says, what if I spent the night here? Yeah. So you're feeling. No, let's, let's keep recapping. Let's keep recapping. Then we can get to the arguing. Um, they uh, Norman is uh, it, it, Norman is all in for Jerry Brown. Becky is more of a pragmatist. She she casts her vote for Jerry Brown in the, in the primary, but she she thinks Clinton might do better in the general. Yeah, she says something like like. Uh, 
he'll get stuff done. Like Clinton right. will get stuff he'll done. Sta- he'll stand up better in the general. Which election. is what everybody fucking said about Bernie Sanders. It's like, well, I support him. Mm-hmm. But when he gets into office, he'll never. If he got on the very, very uh, remote chance he got into office, he would never get anything done. Uh-huh. So same goddamn stuff. Yeah. 25 History years repeats. ago. Yeah. History repeats. Yep. Uh, uh, Norman decides... And this is okay. I want to run something past you. He decides because he's an artist. That's how he expresses himself. He decides he's going to paint the one eight hundred number of Jerry Brown's on a wall of the apartment. Yes, which I think is a precursor to later casts wearing their friends' T-shirts. Remember that? Like when they when they would get like I'm talking late '90s, early 2000s right. world, where they like one guy would always wear like you know <laughs> disrupt industries t shirt, and then yep. he would find out it was his you know his friend Kyle has yep, a yep. has a t shirt, and then later on it was it was actually a paid endorsement. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, at the time he's just like, here's the deal: we're always going to be in this apartment. That'll always be in the background. Right. We know the it would be largely settled by the time this thing aired, mm. but. They didn't ever really do that. We never we saw them painting the number, but then we no. saw like maybe bits and pieces of it. We never saw the whole number. He put a big decal of Oscar the Grouch yes, he did. on there. Mm-hmm. Um, he painted uh, the eight in eight hundred as an eight ball, uh-huh. and Heather painted breakout. Yep, which That's is great. Thing. That's that, what well, she does. She breaks out. She breaks out. She's not bugging. That is her thing that we are trying to make. She is not a skeezer. Our thing. No, she's not. Yeah. She does not skis. Uh, from there, they decide to get in a van mm-hmm. with pro-choice uh, on paper taped on. Yes. Uh, down minivan. To, a little minivan down to D.C. for the pro-choice rally. Indeed. It's a big deal. And it's around Easter weekend, which we don't really know because we... We find out later that all of this stuff is around. Easter. Oh, yeah, because, yeah. because we're getting that. ahead of ourselves. Okay. Uh, Norman, Star Trek fanatic that we know him to be. Indeed. Uh, each 10 miles per hour that he goes up becomes Mach 2, Mach yeah. 3, Mach no, 4, warp. Mach 5. Warp 3, Warp, warp 5. Warp 3, you're absolutely yeah. right. Thank it's you. It's TNG Lego. Yeah, okay. So they, so they get down there, not before getting a ticket. No. From the police. Indeed. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the camera is kind of put down low in the passenger seat. <laughs> uh, but he gets a ticket. And off they go to D.C., where who do they run into? But Charles. At the pro-choice rally. With a lady on his shoulders. A lady up on his shoulders. Wearing a, a New York Yankees cap with a pink triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, dead center on the NY logo. Mm-hmm. Now, Charles, here... Charles is Charles Perez. Yes. Who was mm-hmm. a Sally Jesse Raphael style talk show host. Yeah. Oh, and nobody knows who the fuck that is who's who's under the age of eh, 40. But, you know. That's okay. We know who our listeners are. Okay. They know Sally Jesse Raphael so, real well. If you don't remember, Charles Perez briefly had a program. Mm-hmm. Where he walked around with a mic and interviewed people and strenuously denied being gay. Yep. And said some rather homophobic things. Now that I don't remember. I just remember him not coming out. I I remember him uh, something along. Oh, dude, I I this is the kind of thing I shouldn't say because it's fucking libel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, we can we can at the minimum say that he never came. Well, he didn't at the time come out. Yes. Even though there was, you know. There was evidence. Him being on a television show mm-hmm. wearing a pink uh, mm-hmm. triangle on his hat and dating another gay man. Dating, well, very distantly dating another gay man. In fact, if Norman didn't say it over and over, you really wouldn't know. Right. 
Let, let's say having had some romantic involvement uh-huh. with a gay man right. on television. On television. By the way, the Charles Perez show went on longer than you would imagine. Really? You know, I never do this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'm just going to really quickly. We're going to Google gonna, during I the know, podcast. I do this, but uh, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Charles Perez show. I think it aired like 93 to 97. That's what I'm going to say. That, that, that seemed way too long. Okay. Uh, I am wrong. 94 to 96. And in fact, December 94 to January 96. So 95. <laughs> it ran from 95. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. Well. Oh, he was a would-be priest. I'm not going to read his Wikipedia. No. No. I, I, Nobody I, wants that. I was with people that were very angry at him. Mm-hmm. I find it angering. I guess I'd find the real world to be sacred uh-huh. on some sure. intrinsic level, yeah. and thus denying what is on the real world yeah. is... Uh, inherently unreal. Inherently lame. Yeah, yeah. it's not real. Uh, so, Darlene... Oh, oh, um, I, can't, oh. I just want to close out the, the, the pro-choice rally yes. by something that, when I heard it, it echoed through the ages oh, for boy. me. There was something from that pro-choice rally that I remember hearing, and I think it's Joan Baez... No, it's Holly Nears singing Holly for our Nears. lives. Oh, wow. Yes. I went to a fair amount of protests. Yeah. I stopped going to protests because it was very difficult to smoke. Uh-huh. You were I packed see. in very, very, uh, you know, with a lot of people. And so you had to hold your cigarette real close to your face. Sure. I, smoking was my priority, much more so than than social justice. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, Holly Nears, we are singing for our lives. Like yeah. super warbly voice. Yeah. Super, I don't think Anybody in the crowd ever went home and put on a compact disc by Holly Near? No. Yeah. No, in fact... Very out of the time. Very out of the time. It's so much so that it's just... To me, everybody who sings like that is Joan Baez. <laughs> yes. It's, well, just, it's, it's not inaccurate. Yeah. It's like uh, every soda is Coke in the South. Yeah, yes, indeed. What kind of Coke do you want? Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. What kind of Joan Baez do you want? <laughs> uh, so one of the Joan Baez's sings, We are gay and straight together. Oh, yeah. Which is like... It's so nice. I remember hearing that, but it's like just a little clunky. You know what I mean? Well, like it, it was still a time when you didn't hear the word gay a whole ton on the, TV. The first line of that, uh, which was not in the episode, is we are gentle, angry people. Oh, it's okay. very, it's very noble. Yeah, it's and it's it's insufferable as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember just feeling every emotion when I heard it for the first time. <laughs> Like a little recognition, a little a minor cringe, like yeah. you know, I don't know, just all Let's kinds just of go righteous and unrighteous feelings, yeah. and it unlocked all of those feelings yeah. when I heard it just now. Uh, okay, yeah. So now back to Darlene. Back to uh, Darlene is um, a friend, quote unquote, that Julie makes homeless woman. She uh-huh. introduces Julie to a friend who I thought was great because I'm. Let me underline a drug addict. Uh-huh. And this guy was a lot more like the drug addicts I know than the ones you see nobly portrayed on 90s television. This guy was like, well, I, you know, when I get high, I like to get some girls. I like to go at it. And Very raw conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not like addicts get sober and start being like, well, and the times were so, uh, no, we're, we're like, oh man, I really loved getting bucked up and, yeah. you know, running in front of taxi cabs or whatever, yeah. whatever dumb shit it was. Yeah. So that guy, I was like, thank you for being that felt real. so real yeah. and so sad 
Sorry, that's Finbar barking yeah, in the barking. background, barking gently in the background. Uh, also very real and very painful to listen to was Darlene uh, saying she wishes she could be like she was, yeah. which was a lot of fun with a lot of boyfriends. Yeah. Oh, Darlene, <laughs> rip my heart out, why don't yeah, you? Man. That's yeah. what, and that moment is where Tears in Heaven kicks in. Oh, yeah, there's a, there was a Phil Collins con- uh, uh, content level to this episode like you would not believe. Yeah, yeah. well, that was Eric Clapton. Well, yeah, that was Eric Clapton, right. but we had... Um, it, uh, it, as Holly Near is Joan Baez, yes. that song is Phil Collins. Here's the but. thing about Phil Collins and Eric Clapton. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that I hate the baby boomers for. Okay. And I'm beginning to hate the millennials for, even though I'm not that guy that hates the millennials. Um, as the boomers got older, they were like, wait a minute, 30's not old? And then... Wait a minute, 35's not old. Uh-huh. And so throughout the 80s and the early 90s, there were boomers in their 40s get into their 50s who had hit records. Sure, divorce records. Yes, divorce records. Yeah, and it was what was served to us. Yeah. There and were no young pop stars. Gen X is small. Mm-hmm. So we did not have that opportunity. We weren't able to look around at the world and yeah. say, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, Dave Scott Wheeland is an old. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exception proves the rule. Yeah. But, but now you, you look at the millennials and the super groovy Coachella plan guys are like 33. Sure. And I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. Cause I come from an age when if you had a record deal, you were 29 uh-huh. for at least seven years. Yeah. You know, couldn't you do it, could you? Nope. Oh, mercy. Not allowed. Jeez. Moment of silence. Yeah, and so I, I'm just infuriated because I'm 47, and I'm just waiting 15 years for everyone to be like, wait a minute, yeah. 50 isn't old? Yeah, well, oh. you know what? We're doing it now. We're, we're doing, doing it now. We're doing it now doing it right by now. talking about 25 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Julie then spells, uh, spends the night in the best-lit homeless encampment uh, in yes, the world. indeed. Certainly with security. Yeah, on the periphery. God, yeah. Uh, d- yeah, and, and floodlights and the whole thing. Um, we get back to to Norman briefly, who, who does that whole thing about being called a faggot and, right. and like you know keeping his emotions inside. And this man, this and this is just before I did what he describes my own self. Oh. He talks about you know when he's when he meets somebody who he likes, he just throws himself into it, huh. which is what you do. Like when you have your your kind of sexual when you have when you're 13 at age 26, right? You, you have, there's a lot more damage you can do. Really? You know what I mean? You have wow. you're on your own. It's not at school. There aren't authority figures around. So if you want to just like chuck yourself at somebody, there's really nobody standing in your way. Wow. You know what I mean? So you do. I for sure did. So, but you're talking about, about like madly loving someone, truly yes. madly deeply. Yes. You're, doing the things you do when you're 13, but you're allowed to do them when you're 13. Right. When you're 26, there's just, you've got more momentum behind you. You so can make not, more of a mess of it. Not as I did in 1992, which is just having sex with everybody. Right. That, you know, was slightly interested in having sex. Right. That but I was slightly interested in having sex with. Sure. That comes later. That right. was another natural stage that comes for us all later. But but you're saying for that us, like... Yeah, it's time shifted a few years. Truly, madly, deeply loving, yes. you know, like you are the stars in the sky. Writing the person's name a million times. Oh, uh, my that God. Kind of thing. Just like corny, goofy, embarrassing oh. things that you, most people do when they're 13, you tend to do in your mid-20s. And Norman did it about and Charles. 
Charles Perez. Did it about Charles oh, Perez. That can't be easy. That's that sad. Anyway. I'm so into Norman. Great, one of the greatest real world uh, characters of all time. Yeah. And and he had to go out like that. We haven't decided what to call these people yet, have we? I, I'm calling them characters. Real world characters. I don't. Yes, I'm not saying cast members. I'm okay. saying characters. I got it. I got it. Uh, okay. So uh, then Julie decides to go uptown and see Darlene. In her choir practice, yeah, which they're they're gonna they're gonna do a little practice, and then there'll be some sort of Easter Sunday service. Right. She shows up. There's another woman from the rotunda who knows Darlene is Puddin, and Puddin is nowhere to be found. Oh yeah, like Darlene's street name is Puddin. Puddin. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Julie has her best white Easter stockings on. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. pretty. Those are pretty gross. Best white hose. Yeah. Definitely working a yeah. soap opera nurse. Yeah. Kind of a look. Just north of nude colored legs. Yeah. Yeah. La eggs, I should say. Mm-hmm. La eggs. Uh, the thing that has always stuck with me about this episode, which is indelible, by the way. Mm. Like, I remember this episode so well. Huh. Better than any other, I think, in season one. The thing that I remember the most is um, when we learn that we have lost Darlene. She's gone uptown to find drugs. Yeah. Right? Uh, we then get a Darlene montage. Which is essentially... <laughs> a darlene Taj, if you will. A darlene Taj, A puddin <laughs> uh, It's essentially the three times that we've seen her just played in slow motion while tears in heaven place. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, so, so, I mean, it's like there isn't a ton of footage to pick the best moments right. from. So it's just, oh. hey, remember the thing that we just did with Darlene where yeah. she spun around? They just do that, but in slow motion. And like in a haunting echo of her giggle. <laughs> some acoustic Eric Clapton. Oh, man. It's brutal. Brutal. Yeah. It's a brutal episode. And uh, a bunch of stuff um, in terms of political context. Yeah. Um, One was that I was, I went to Eugene Lang where there were some anarchist ass people. Yeah. And there's nothing the mainstream media could do politically that wasn't super corny. So I was just conditioned to hate politics on MTV. And the other thing was there really, I think there was this notion, baby boomer hangover, that's like, you know, youth culture is supposed to be political. There's supposed to be something to fight against. There was not a war to fight against. There was not a sexual revolution to be had. In fact, there was AIDS, which decimated uh, the world in in downtown New York and the milieu of the show. Um, so it was a much less less activist friendly, more reactive political world. But the baby boomers who who you know put on television shows like this only knew like the marching and mm-hmm. you know uh, mm-hmm. you know voting for Jerry Brown stuff, which sure. which is not. Um, it, it it was not in tune with the actual political reality. I don't think. Yeah, I went to a Clinton and Gore rally. Uh, in the oh wow! Too yeah, when they did that bus tour, like down the Mississippi River. Wow! I was in St. Louis. Uh, I was in college, as we've addressed, and and that summer I worked uh, on a road crew. My oldest brother worked for the county prosecutor's office, so he had like a line on good union summer jobs huh. that paid at the time like twelve bucks an hour, which right. was so much money. Right. And uh, oh God, yeah. and so so I like worked on a road crew, which meant I like 
wore a vest and hung out. <laughs> and developed a fetish for uh, reflective vests. Oh, road crew, like highway road crew. No, I thought like, you meant like, like, a, like roadies, like a band. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. No, yeah, like working on the side of the road, painting lines and, you know, shit like that, pouring concrete. And uh, and so Clinton and Gore were doing their, their bus tour. And two of my friends from high school and I decided we wanted to go. And uh, and so I talked to my supervisor, and I was like, "We want to go downtown and see uh, Clinton and Gore." And he was like, "You're going to a titty bar." <laughs> I, like, I assure you, we are not going to a titty bar. And he's like, "All right, you have fun." Don't do anything I wouldn't do at the titty bar. I was like, "Okay, okay, I'm going to a titty bar." I'm going to a titty bar. And uh, and so I went down. And my main memory of that was there was an old guy with a sign, a handwritten sign that said Clinto Gore. <laughs> you know, like people can just like make a thing on a big piece of poster board yeah. and just never even give yep. it the most cursory of spell checks. Yep. And it didn't. And Clinto it, Gore. It did not end up on Twitter. As no, things no, it today. didn't. But they won. Yeah. Uh, my, I, I, this episode left me wondering from uh, from today's perspective, from 2017's yes. perspective. How nice to be able to say that. Yeah. Uh, whether they would do such a thing with a friend who's addicted to opiates. Would we have this? Like, you know, the, the Darlene and the crack and the, and the you know, the frank right. conversation about sex and drugs right. or whatever. Do we get, is there anywhere on TV, I mean, there's, there's a brand new epidemic. It's largely rural white people. Are we getting into that with this degree of depth? It, interestingly, there was an MTV, like sort of a movie of the week. It's the only real like movie of the week I remember coming uh -huh. out of MTV at all, um, which was a Dallas kid getting into heroin. Um, which they called Chiva. And I actually, my, my one of my best friends was a Dallas, you know, teenage dope fiend. Uh -huh. And he was doing Chiva, sniffing Chiva, and nobody knew it was heroin. Yeah. So, and that was, that was a much different treatment of like, oh my God, can you believe these kids are using heroin? Uh -huh. um, which is like... Um, not the way they treated crack, which was like this essential kind of foreignness. And isn't it terrible what's happening uh -huh. to those people? Now, I would venture that like we were doing a ton of cocaine. Right. It's just a question of, you know, portability and expense mm -hmm. when it comes to the difference between cocaine and crack. And, you know, just monstrously at the time, they would just they would institute these incredible draconian punishments for crack dealing right. they would not institute for cocaine dealing sure and well, to this day to this Wall day. street people don't get stopped and frisked. no well no indeed like i like during like the big stop and frisk uh you know end of the bloomberg administration i was just like just f pick a private school in manhattan and just put 20 cops out there and just bust everybody and just uh -huh. take the molly right off them and yeah. you'll have a productive day stop mm -hmm. and frisk uh aficionados yeah. but it's not gonna happen no nope. anyway uh so that was episode 109 yeah <laughs> nueve nueve the nueve of, uh, julie stays at a homeless shelter i believe is the title yeah with it with, yeah with a question mark and the answer is no <laughs> no there's no shelter there's no shelter <laughs> it's, that's the whole thing she's sleeping outside She's sleeping rough, as the British say. Yeah, copy editor sleeping on the job at MTV. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, well, so that was it. I uh, I feel like I feel edified. I feel uh, a political wind at my back. <laughs> I, I feel like I want to call that eight hundred number. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Did you right. Write it down. Uh, did you write the Jerry Brown's eight hundred number down? No, no, I wrote that he had an eight hundred number. No. 
Well, go to jerrybrown.com and get the <laughs> And we will see you for episode 10. We sure will. Of season one of the real world, Skeezers. <laughs> Feral Audio.